Welcome to the Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia, will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm joined by three of my pastor colleagues. I got Jeff in the house. Hi. And Crystal. Hello. And Ezra. I'm here. Welcome here. Okay, Ezra, take it away. Question of the day. Of course, the question of the day. So Jeffrey Bucknam, <laughs> my dear brother and friend. By the way, thanks for making fun of me on the service. This dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was great. That was so not dude, cool. Dude, dude. dude. Yeah, you do realize that <laughs> I am going to return the favor. A it was, good, it was good, totally you, Ezra. Oh, it was hilarious. Come on. No, a good turn deserves one. Uh, Ezra, another, you, so, you yeah, are a deal maker, dude. You <laughs> know yes, that. Yes, I am. But yeah. this whole idea of dude, dude, no. It no, was great. No. I was nudging everyone around. Right. Totally, that sounds like Ezra. <laughs> good. Okay, I have a question for Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. So I am hearing, Jeff, that you're not doing sugar anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no. His, nothing could be further from the truth than that, to be honest. Yeah, with but you. there's this craze that I'm hearing going I, around I that know. people are now walking away from sugar. I know, because it's evil, apparently. Yeah. Listen, I need to. Admit that just like you like a good deal, I am a contrarian. So if everyone's zigging, I'm gonna zag, and uh, and no so so that nodding. probably <laughs> has something to do with my my feelings toward this particular subject. So, so when all of a sudden doing... sugar is the worst possible thing you could have in the world, right? And so this is a new craze. Or? Oh, it's like the worst thing ever. But I got I maybe it is. Maybe maybe it is causing all of the difficulty for everyone in the world. But I gotta tell you. The lives people say, "Oh, I feel better than I felt whatever because I eat cauliflower all the time." I got to tell you that is a that is a contradiction in terms. <laughs> like, are you nuts? Like, so you think that your life is better with cauliflower? Yes, because I feel like I. Well, okay, fine. I get it. You probably feel like you have a ton of energy and stuff, but well, it's really awful. Have in the you kitchen. tasted pizza? <laughs> Well, in the kitchen, you can be eating your fruit, and everyone's like, "Yeah, I've given up sugar, even yeah. fruit." And how I'm dare, like, "How dare uh... you eat your? How do you, dare you eat your fruit in front of me?" I'm like, "Oh, I guess I'm not on the bandwagon." So I Jeff know. just goes for eating the donuts instead. No, I don't. I'm not <laughs> a big donut eater, and I get it. Yes, I could lose thirty pounds. It's not a yeah, but at the same time, the cost of losing the thirty pounds is the pizza, and that is a difficult decision to make. Yeah. But all these everybody's oh you'd love it. You should try you should try cauliflower uh you try cauliflower pizza. Shut up. That's ridiculous. Who likes cauliflower pizza? What nope. is wrong with it? No, it tastes just the same. No, it tastes like cauliflower. <laughs> Crystal? Yes? Yes. All right. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not joining that train. No way. What is what there's only there's few joys in our lives at this point. You know, we're all going to die of something pretty quick here. I know. And there's a few joys. And I got peanut M&Ms is one of them. Oh, yeah. Peanut butter M&Ms are yeah, better, though. But that's what I'm saying is that, listen, you don't need to go crazy with the peanut butter M&Ms. But at the same time. But a few. Everything in moderation. Yeah, everything. That's and right. get comfortable I think with your extra I rolls. just want to eat a moderate amount of everything. What's your favorite thing that's, right that's now? A, Jeff's, oh, Jeff's balanced diet yeah. plan, oh, a moderate it. amount of everything. No, yeah. Jeff, I, it hasn't I, worked I, yet. Yeah, that I, diet plan hasn't worked. No. You're not going to publish it and get no. it copyrighted? No, I, I, I invited Jeff to my house uh, a few years back, and uh, 
he had some ugali and he really loved it. Ugali. Yes. No, I did not. Ugali is <laughs> oh, Ugali is basically if you take a bunch of flowers. You guys ever taken when you were kids, you got into your mom's uh, oh, the kitchen and you, you, go. you took a bunch of flour out and you put some water in it yeah. and it turned into this like what? syrupy like paste. Yeah. That's ugali. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, so dear. what what's the most uh, sweet thing in Kenyan culture? Like what would be the the sweets that people would stay away from? Oh, people, sweets, I mean, I, I think Kenyans enjoy their sweets, uh, but I would say a lot of people don't have desserts uh, in their homes, really. So we don't really do, most Kenyan homes don't, they don't bake cookies. Mm. They might have a chocolate cake. Um, they would make something called mandazis. Do you know what a mandazi is? No, I don't know what oh, a mandazi is. A, a mandazi is like a donut, but an African donut is really nice. So they might put a little bit of sugar to make it sweet. Yeah. But mandazis are things that people make and then they'd have it with tea in the morning for breakfast yeah. or you have it as a snack during uh, tea time, tea break time, that kind of thing. But it's not as sugary sweet like a Tim Hortons uh, honey cruel or anything like that. Because you eat, eat like East Indian food and so, they have like the sweets, like those, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know what they're called. Most, most, uh, we have a lot of, uh, a, a huge East Indian community in uh, Kenya. And if anything, I also went to an Indian school. But I, uh, African Kenyans are not into that kind of sweets because some of those sweets are so, so, so sweet. African Kenyans are like that? <laughs> yeah. Like, what about the, <laughs> the Indonesian Kenyans? But, but, a little but, different there as well? Oh, or yeah, South Canadian American Kenyans. Kenyans. <laughs> yes, they are, they are really different. <laughs> They're so different, Jeffrey. <laughs> why, why are you shaking your head? Okay. I mean, we have Indo-Canadians, so they're Indo-Canadians. Do you know how many emails we're so going to get? Do you know how many people are like livid right now this because I said that sh- that sugar's a good thing? And that they Some should people moderation. losing their minds. You have no idea. You need to wake up and realize it's killing everyone. Yeah, see, uh-huh. I, I, I launched a softball to you, and then you just wrecked Dude, it. Dude, G- Jesus <laughs> eats sugar. There it is. Did it. Jesus ate I bet he does. What proof? New heavens and new earth. Say, yeah. And they don't have any proof. No, but listen, no, no. Uh, chapter and verse. Because Jesus, because Jesus likes the new heavens and new earth, and there's got to be sugar in the new heavens and new no, earth. Are no. you kidding me? The of Bible, course there is. The Bible talks about him, him having eaten fish. So oh. there will be fish in heaven. There's wine. Wine is there sugary. Is wine too. Yeah, there we go. So fish. Yeah. Anyway, solved. there's okay. sugar in wine. Huh? What times? Huh? Yeah. Huh? There it is. See, there's okay. your proof, <laughs> Crystal. <laughs> I'm not convinced. Okay, so topic of the day. I mm. have an agenda for today. I invited these guys because we wanted to talk through women in ministry, how it works out here at Northview. And the reason I did this is because when I was at the women's retreat a couple weekends ago, of course, I'm available, I'm walking around, and quite a few women asked me some very practical questions about how do, uh, where are women allowed to serve in Northview? And they did it with the utmost kindness and respect because they love our church, they love our leadership, they just want to know exactly what they can do and why they can do it. So some people would be surprised at you even raising that question or somebody even raising that question. So uh, Thalia, why is it that somebody would ask the question, uh, where can women serve in Northview? Wouldn't the answer normally be everywhere? Just like everywhere else in the society, women are served everywhere. So why is it even a question? Right. So we better walk through our terms, first of all, because we are a complementarian church Ooh. versus an egalitarian church. And for me, those terms were kind of new. Maybe 10, 12 years ago, I hadn't heard those terms before. Mm. And so we should walk through those terms, and then we should work uh, talk about how they practically work out at Northview. 
Yeah. So the terms that you're using there, complementarian, C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T. So complement. Not, not as that, in compliment, like I like your new Spartans jacket. Right. Jeff. Like two teammates, yeah. uh, two teammates complement each other in the sense that one is good at one thing and the other is good at another. Yeah. So they they're complementary that in mm-hmm. that in that way. Yeah. Compl- a complementary church is one that's just really friendly and yeah. affirming, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but complement. Uh, Complementarianism is a is a theological viewpoint that's derived from uh, that from from the belief that the Bible limits the the role of elder to qualified men. Yeah, and so it's worked out in some different ways, but it's rooted in biblical passages like First Timothy chapter two, uh, passages from First Corinthians fourteen. Um, so you have several. Passages of Scripture, also the fact that Jesus, you know, Jesus chose 12, 12 men. You you have uh, some explicit statements in Ephesians chapter five having to do with a marriage. So usually, complementarians are people who believe certain things. People believe in what they call male headship in the church and in the home. Yeah, we have to affirm that complementarians and egalitarians believe that men and women are created equal. Yeah, equal worth, equal value. dignity, absolute co-value. Right. Mm-hmm. So e- egalitarian is somebody who basically affirms that every position, every kind of uh, area of service in the church is open to women, doesn't and matter. And men. And men. Yeah. Qualified women and men, regardless. Yeah, regardless. yeah um, it's based more on skill level or gifting rather right. than any kind of gender being yeah. part of that discussion. The fight is over First Timothy chapter 2, largely. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be the central text that people debate and have fought over. Yeah. Uh, historically, in the Christian Church, uh, complementarian th- that language really was coined in the 1980s. Yeah, but the belief so it's not of the, a biblical term. It's no, not in the Bible. Either egalitarian. So, like, right. ultimately, uh, the belief of a complementarian, though, is to affirm what the Church has taught for 2,000 years, basically. Yeah. Um, on this partic- particular subject, whereas an egalitarian uh, understanding is relatively new. There have been splinter groups in the Christian church that over the centuries believed some things, and the Quakers thought certain yeah. things, and then certainly in the turn of the century when the charismatic, charismatic movement started to get, really on, get, go, get going, the idea of gifting being the only qualification for leadership was a, was a huge factor. And so in the 20th century, egalitarianism became a, a thing. Yeah. Prior Which to that, was, though, it was not. And that's mostly a cultural push in the sense that feminism, yeah. the rise of feminism, right? So mm. before the rise of feminism, complementarian was kind of across the board, kind of the idea, like even in businesses and like yeah. that was, kind of, you know, any kind of political structure or whatever that was more, well, it was more hierarchical, actually not complementarian in mm. the sense of men actually having more worth in society. Yeah. Whereas I think complementarian is a correction to that. It's not mm-hmm. saying that men have more worth or more value. It's just outlining how that works out within a church community in terms of leadership roles. A yeah. complementarian treats the treats the uh, the church, a family unit, and a and the church body like like you would a team in in a sport, uh, in the sense that there are certain people who have been given authority and opportunity to do certain things mm-hmm. and others that have that have not. Now an egalitarian would say, yeah, we do that based purely on their merit, their ability to do particular things. Whereas a complementarian is going to say, yeah, yes, that, but Both. there are certain yeah. roles like coach that are reserved for qualified men. 
for for that. It doesn't mean that women aren't involved in some teaching things. It doesn't mean that women aren't involved in some some things that some elders might do in certain places. But it it means that in terms of headship, that there's a, a leadership in the church that is mm-hmm. that is given to qualified men. Mm-hmm. Crystal, talk about our conference a little bit. In denomination, of, you mean? Yeah, our denomination. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Well, so just to piggyback a little bit backwards, and then I'll go forwards on that denomination. But it is something that Darcy brings up at every membership class, the very first class, usually Jeff and I are there, and he brings it up for the sole purpose of making sure people are aware that this is a a stance of Northview, because the default people will have going in is that women can do, like that's a cultural kind of default, is that women and men can do anything. And so he doesn't want them to come into Northview, be here for two years, and then all of a sudden feel like, oh, I didn't know this about this church that I've kind of bought into. So it's an interesting, he feels like it's necessary to bring it up just so that people are aware, even though it doesn't necessarily affect most of the people in the room because most of those people aren't going to be qualified to preach on a Sunday. He still wants people to be aware that this is something that we work through as a church and as an elder board. I, I need yeah. to, I'm, I'm there, you and I are there when this yeah. happens. I, yeah. one, of the, one of the interesting things to me though is, and this probably shows kind of where we are in terms of a culture, uh, that, that people when they hear that, they think that Northview is weird and crazy. Yeah. That's what I mean, yeah. That's why and he brings it up. That, that is... I mean, as somebody who knows a bit about church history, like I sit in those rooms and just almost shake my head and think, actually, we we stand on the shoulders of every, like you name your faithful Christian hero, that person believed in male headship, mm-hmm. like all all of them did until yeah. the mid mid pretty much the middle of the twentieth century. But that was a cultural so, idea so, at the so time he's, too. He's so a question for now Jeff. it shifted. Yeah. yeah so Jeff, um, just uh, I know there'll be probably someone listening, wondering, okay, yes. Uh, in the past in church history, there were men and women who believed and held on to complementarian theology. But people would say, times have changed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where women are empowered to, right. to, to get after it and to, to go out and express themselves. And God has really gifted so many women, yeah. given them all sorts of abilities. So why is it that we are now hindering women from exercising the gifts that God has so richly blessed them. Yeah, there's a whole bunch with. of presuppositions that are working into this. One of, one of them is that the, the tyranny of the present, the idea that we are the most advanced people and the most morally upright people who've ever lived. This is something that we believe. That's why people say stuff. Get with the times. It's 2019. Yeah. Right? When they say that, they mean, like, update your morals to get in line with the most current cultural wind. There are legitimate debates to be had about whether or not the morality of our present day on a number of issues is equivalent or better to what has come before us. And it is a distinctly, quite honestly, Western idea that we are continually um, moving improving forward better. and improving yeah. as people. That's, that's actually, it's kind, of, it's, it's, it's kind of a function of technology these days, right? Because everything gets new and improved eventually. And so that we end up translating that back into the human beings and saying, well, see, just like we can make Crest toothpaste that is now new and improved because it's got an extra whitening strip in it, we also are getting better as human beings through the application of our new moralities and all Mm -hmm. these sorts of things. So there's a whole bunch of cultural questions that need to be raised about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, Ezra, that is essentially the way that people... Will will argue this is that get get with the times, but yeah. I'm what I'm pushing back on is the presupposition that goes in to that language. Right. Ultimately, the question that we have as a church is not, hey, how with it are we in terms of the times? How much have we updated our our morality based upon the cultures around us? 
But how biblical are we? Like how much in line with script? How should we understand the way that the scriptures are written, mm-hmm. the appeal that they make to, you know, like why is it that Paul uh, doesn't allow a woman to teach or have authority over? That's those are his words in First Timothy two. Mm-hmm. So why why is it that he argues that? Mm-hmm. What is he appealing to there? Right. And is what he's appealing to a cultural phenomenon, or is it transcultural, or like what's going on with that? And if it's transcultural, if he's, if he's drawing us back, as he is, to the way that people were created by God, then there's something fundamental about men and fundamental about women that shouldn't be denied, but instead embraced. Mm-hmm. So, so before we go to the biblical text, there may be someone who would ask the question, okay, so how is this not oppressive? Towards women, because well, that, and someone someone did actually ask me. So Ezra, you're a pastor at Northview, mm-hmm. and you have a wife, you have daughters. Yep. Uh, how are you? Why why would you choose to oppress? Yeah, well, children? you can you can hear the presupposition and in the, in the, hold in the them question back. and the point. Right? It's yeah. only oppressive if you de- you deem prior to you asking the question that the best way to live is egalitarianism. The best way for churches to function is egalitarianism, and the best way for society to function is egalitarianism. There, 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 that's a legitimate discussion. Well, I think because we as women, it's um, it's a hard issue. This complementarian versus egalitarian issue, it's it hits our emotions. So even though I did the research and I absolutely believe that biblically complementarian is biblical, it's still hard as a woman to be told there are limits, and that's cultural as well. Like if I'm traveling too fast on Downs Road, the police have the right to pull me over and give me a ticket because I'm not the ultimate authority. They are. But we don't like to have limits. And in the church, we don't want to have limits. We don't want to have limits in our families. We don't want to have limits. So it's kind of hard. Right. But the the police are, are enforcing a law that was established with thought given to it. So, for yeah. example, when the when the when they say you should drive, I was just reading an article the other day saying that through Jasper National Park, it's 80 kilometers an hour. It's actually the article is about how to survive if your car hits a moose. I found that very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but they were making the point that, you know, I know everybody thinks that it's stupid that it's 80 kilometers an hour through this big open expanse of roadway, but the 80 kilometers an hour is a decided upon speed limit that uh, was decided upon because they'd done some research to figure out, like, if you hit a moose, what are the likelihood of they, if you, you surviving it because of the tilting of your car and all sorts of variables, and they decided that 80 kilometers an hour is the most advantageous for s- protecting you. So my point here is, y- you and I love to question the authorities and the rationale behind those giving those, those, those reasons. And so I, I get that, okay? I-, I have questions about all sorts of things, but, but the question that we need to start with is, it- has God established something in, in this? Has God actually commanded us in a particular way when it comes to this. And if we determine that, yes, he has, then we shouldn't be surprised if the way that God thinks about his world is it runs uh, directly against the grain of what our contemporary society does. It's but not that's the exactly, only place that happens. No, no but that's exactly no. the issue, is that we as women, we are we yep. are fighting against the limits. We are fighting against the authority that God has put in Scripture, which I believe to be true, but is still hard as a woman Absolutely. emotionally mm-hmm. when we have been told culturally do everything you can, go as far as you can, be better than the men if you can, like just push it as far as you can. And then you come to scripture and you realize, oh, hang on, there's different roles for men and women. And that's hard to come up against for us. Yeah, which is why this issue is actually one that, I mean, it's not a a central issue to the the 
the the church. I don't think I don't think it's a first degree issue. I don't think it's an issue that you should that we separate fellowship over or things like that. But at the end of the day, it does. It is kind of a, a what, what do you call it? A watershed. Like the way that you understand this issue really does say an awful lot, oftentimes, about your willingness to bow your knee to the authority of God's word. Uh, it says an awful lot in the way that you you interpret God's word. Mm-hmm. So it. it it, it's very common for somebody who moves from a from a complementarian to an egalitarian perspective to also, along with that move, come a whole set of other doctrinal changes mm-hmm. that are accommodating very much to the culture at large. Um, there's actually been a book, uh, Wayne Grudem wrote it. He, he, it argues essentially that it says, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, evangelical feminism, the new path toward liberalism. And so his argument in the book is that if you look at the trajectory of denominations that have open themselves up to egalitarian understandings of scripture and embracing you know women as bishops or these sorts of these sorts of things or leaders and uh, pastors in God's church in, in or elders in God's church uh, what you find is over the next 20 years they end up adopting a whole set of liberal tendencies now that that's he's he's just he's arguing that that's a correlation mm-hmm. He's not sure about causation, but he's arguing it's a correlation, and I think it's pretty hard to argue against him in the, in that case. But the reason for that is because in order to establish an egalitarian reading of Scripture, you have to do something with your what we call your hermeneutic, your way of reading the Bible, or you have to do something with the Bible itself. You have to think, well, it needs to be updated. Man, that, that is an acid that or... that is an acid <laughs> that will eat through an awful lot of what you believe about about. Mm-hmm. Christ and about God and about how he interacts with his world. So why don't we take a little bit of moment here and let's go through the scriptures and give us, maybe as we start with you, give us a little bit of an understanding of why we would say that complementarian is a biblically faithful way of reading the scriptures. I think when you look at, uh, so First Timothy, First Timothy 2, maybe, maybe what would be a good idea is, Crystal, do you have a passage, mm-hmm. do you have the passages there? Maybe you could read Read the passages, and then we can talk about the passages after they've been read. Uh, Sure. So this is, I'll start in verse um, 8. This is all uh, a letter written to Timothy um, from Paul, talking about how he's to conduct kind of worship within the church in Ephesians. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. (laughs) Timothy is a pastor at a church at Ephesus. And so this is, this section is called Instructions on Worship. So this is, when you think of it, you want to think of what Paul's instructing within the worship service at the church. So this uh, first Timothy chapter this two. This first Timothy chapter two is Paul's instructions to Timothy on the worship structure at the church. So he says, Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with this decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. So there are a dozen of challenging things said in this passage Absolutely. That, are, that, that require some comment and study yeah. and concern. So, yeah. uh, Thalia, I'll let you, you, you lead the charge regarding what you want us to engage with. Well, Women that come to talk with me wonder what does it mean for a woman to, to learn teach in authority? Yeah, to learn in quietness and full submission that um, 
Paul does not want Timothy to permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Yeah. So let's Why? just talk talk through some of that. Mm-hmm. The, f- first, that language of quietness uh, is is best described as full submission. If you go to the very beginning of this of this chapter, First Timothy chapter two, Paul says, "I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people." kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and, and he's the quiet lives in all godliness. the same word. So he's not talking, it's not a silence that he's saying. He's not asking, you know, God, let's pray to God that he gives us a favor with the authorities so that we can live completely silent lives. Yeah. It's no, he's like, saying peaceable. Yeah, exactly. Right? So that's essentially what he's after here. So verse 11, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission, Right? I don't permit a woman to teach her have authority over men. She must be quiet. The, the idea is peaceable, non-argumentative. Mm-hmm. Uh, submission ultimately to to the authority and uh, to the to the teaching. But he's he's he is barring them from whatever it means to teach or assume authority or have authority. Yeah. Right. So assume authority is the way that the NIV does that. Have authority is the way the ESV does that. But those two things: to teach and to have authority. Now, I think that that's a summary, quite honestly, of the role of an elder, mostly because the one thing that separates a deacon from an elder is the elders have to teach. So if you look at the lists that follow in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Titus, uh, you mm-hmm. find that you, being apt to teach is the, is the key factor, mm-hmm. right? And you, everywhere in the pastoral epistles, which is First uh, and Second Tem- Timothy and Titus, where the term teaching is used, it usually refers to the official doctrinal passing on uh, you know, capacity of a, of a leader. So I, when I teach Ezra, it doesn't mean I'm teaching him origami or how to make ugali. <laughs> right. What I'm teaching Ezra is doctrine, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it in an authoritative position, mm-hmm. okay? So I think those two things, to teach and then uh, the other language of have authority, well, who, who, is, who is it that's tasked with authority in the church? And the answer is elders. And you get this, he, he kind of gives away, I think, that idea, because he doesn't even introduce his discussion of elders in chapter 3 of First Timothy. It's almost like, oh, we're already talking about this. So, well, the, I, I think so let so, me interrupt for a second. Yep. The confusing piece here at Northview is that they say, people will say in our church, but the elders aren't speaking from the pulpit on Sunday. It's a pastor that's speaking. Yeah. So let me let me deal with the pastor elder okay. language really quickly, yeah. or in a minute. But the I'm saying that I think that the language of teach and have authority is a summary statement for an elder or the unique work an elder does. Yes. So what what are women being barred from in this particular passage? And we're putting aside any questions regarding oh, yeah, but maybe that was just cultural, or maybe that was just Paul. He's because mm-hmm. he says I don't permit, or we'll, we'll put aside all those questions for a minute and assume. And it is, a, it is debatable, but it assumed that Paul means what he says, and that he's speaking with apostolic authority, and yep. that he's linking this command to the created design, which mm-hmm. he does. Adam was created first. Yep. Let's assume all of that is true. Then what he's saying in, in shorthand is that uh, I don't think women should be elders of churches. And by I don't think, I mean, I don't permit them with, with apostolic authority. This is not the way God's church should function. Yeah. So... So then you have to start asking, okay, what does an elder do? Mm-hmm. All right? So I would love, by the way, to get into all of the debate around <laughs> why it is that I think what I just said is, is the case, and I ex- by exegetically. I could show in this text and all of its links in other places Well, you where could easily teach for hours on this, which we I can't can, do. But, but, yeah. but I did preach a sermon on it. Yes, you did. Right, that did tie some of this. Yeah. Um, I, so you can look that up on our website if you're interested in that whole piece of it. But what we're interested in, and I think what you're interested in, is how does this... Okay, 
here's about 15 questions on how this plays out then at Northview. Assuming right. it's assuming our understanding of the biblical text is faithful and right. Yes. And true. How then? Yes. Does do we live? Yeah. Yes. So your question then is, well, what I, I, pastors are preaching and not elders. Yeah. So here's a weird thing about Northview. The term pastor and elder in the Bible is pretty much is the same word, all right? Presbuteros is the Greek word there. Uh, it means overseer. Um, and you can hear it in there. All the Presbyterians are cheering, right? <laughs> Presbuteros. Uh, it, 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 Presbytery. It, it means an overseer. It means okay. a... So I don't care which word you want to use here. Overseer equals elder equals pastor. That's the language that's used in the Bible. So if you were going to plant a church and, and you were going to put uh, certain people in, in, in charge and have offices, overseer slash pastor slash elder is all one job. That's a, that is a job. So normally we would understand pastor and elder in a church to be the same thing. Northview does not do that. And, and the reason is because over the years prior to all of our arrival, the way that they use language like pastor was far more like, like business would use the word manager. Mm-hmm. So it was a standing in the church, right? Yeah. To reflect uh, that you oversee a certain department. They were not using that language biblically. So in the Bible, every pastor is an elder, and every elder is a pastor. But at Northview, not every, not every pastor is an elder, no. and not every elder serves as a pastor. No. Okay? So that's our fault. <laughs> yep. that's, not, that's not the fault of the Bible. It's no. just our language. But to be honest with you, at this point, to change it all would be very cumbersome and challenging and, and troubling. So... There are some pastors at Northview that serve as elders. I am one of them. Ezra is one of them. Currently in an interim role, Jonathan Giesbrecht is one of them. Uh, and there are some pastors, regardless of men or women, who are not elders. Thalia is not an elder. Nope. Uh, Dan Sparrow is not an elder. Kyle Meeker is not an elder. Ron Greg Harris is not an elder. So we use it a little bit differently. Yeah. So, if, so in, in the end, yes, elders are preaching at Northview. Or those are, specifically tasked by the elders. Yes, and elders are men. Yeah. But the reason that we wouldn't have a woman... So so the question is, well, you can ask all the other questions. Well, what kind of teachings is well, one of the Well, hang questions. on just a second mm-hmm. there. One of the things that's been helpful that you've said in the past is that we draw a line around the people who preach on the weekend as being the place where that's where people would look at Northview and say, that's the doctrine that we are teaching. Talk about that a little well, bit. Well, that's where I, so so I'm working here with my understanding and and quite honestly a, a large group of complementarians' understanding of what how we understand Paul to mean to teach. Mm-hmm. I don't permit a woman to teach. Well, that doesn't mean that she can't teach uh, a lot of things. Like he's not barring a woman from teaching. Uh, I, I don't know if you wanted your your women's ministry to teach how to kick a soft, kick a football, right? He so that's that you can do that. Like but, midweek so, ministry kind right. of idea. Or, well, or, yeah, but we're even or, teaching doctrine right. at but, women's Bible study. But setting. what does it mean? Yeah. I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. So I don't permit him to teach men or have authority over a man. It seems that what's being spoken of here is what happens when the church as a whole gathers, first of all, in the context of the passage, and what is the official doctrinal teaching that takes place when the whole church gathers? gathers. Well, the Those answer is the sermon. Services. The yeah, sermon yeah. is that. And if you ask questions of anybody, what does Northview teach? Where would you go to find that out? 
Mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Yeah, you'd, main you'd, worship center. You'd say you'd go to the worship center and you'd hear the person, the pastor who's preaching on that weekend. They're the one who's doing the official doctrinal passing on work of the church. Yeah. And so we say that is the role. The only activity that is reserved for qualified qualified men in our church. Yeah, and we do it based upon our understanding of that of what's being explained by Paul in that in that text. Yeah, but that does not mean so. Crystal, for example, does a leadership group, or a, a sorry, a community group leaders meeting, and she stands up and she starts talking about things. Well, first of all, this is not where the whole church is gathering. And, and secondly, uh, people are not hearing Crystal in that way as being the official doctrinal passing on agent of the church. Which is helpful to, for people to hear from you yep. here on this podcast, because every time we have a community group leaders breakfast, people ask us, is it okay for Crystal or yep. myself or Kendra to speak Absolutely. as women? Which we are doing every time. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, yeah. which we have been doing every time. Which but, is a mixed group. It's yeah. not just it's But, not it's, just then but it's, our rationale behind this, now listen, yeah. some complementarians would fight me, us on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we, we believe that we should apply that passage in First Timothy 2 according to the intent of the author, which was the public corporate, corporate gathering, gathering of the church. Right. So, so this is not the corporate gathering of the entire body of Christ or the entire church gathering together at this particular leadership meeting and yeah. things like that. So we don't, yeah, we don't have a problem with that. So, so, I mean, there's a woman named Karen Job who wrote, who's written a wonderful, uh, she's, uh, Karen Job, am I right about that? Oh, dear. Ta-da. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's going to be embarrassing. If I, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> she's written uh, so great commentaries. Uh, so I, I, this is great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But Take classes she, from a seminary professor right, who's is a she woman. Teaching, yeah. is, she teaching, is she teaching something that is that in, in, the, in the gathered assembly of the local church? No. Now, some people, I know people who would fight me and say, well, no, no, that's not the case. It's that plus anything that's similar. And then their churches, they would have, they would extend that to something like a leadership meeting or they would extend that to something. That's fine. I'm like, I'm not going to fight them about it and things. I don't think, I think that they're expanding that, they're understanding that passage a little beyond the context of that text. And they they would admit that, yes, we're doing it by implication on these other things. But I don't think this passage, for example, bars women from being the president of Federal Express. No, this is in the church. Because it's talking about the church. And the church and, and not the gathered just, assembly. Right, not and not just, just any yeah. place in the church, but the yeah. gathered assembly is the church. I think what another piece that's helpful there is that not every complementarian church operates exactly the same way. No. So we would say we were a sort of a soft complementarian church because we as women have the, the title of pastor, where Crystal and I have been to other complementarian churches that don't give the title of pastor to women. Yeah, but there are but there are other complementarian churches that would draw a line. They would they, they would call themselves complementarian because the lead pastor and the chair of the elder board, right, are men. That, okay, and then everybody else. No. So that's a traditional either. Mennonite brethren take, uh, but who separate the lead pastor and the, and the chair, chair of the elder, the old, and they yeah. think of those two people as having an authority. I think that others don't. I I just that's what right. you did when I first got here, and it just it's not. It, the line should be driven, drawn around elders. It's just a bad understanding of eldership at that point, right? There's not two super elders, and the rest are just kind of minor elders. Elders are elders. And so right. if you're going to be an elder, your job is to teach and have authority. That's that key, one of the key pieces of what you're supposed to do there. Yeah. So keep going. There's a whole bunch of I other have, So I have areas. a lot of questions yep. yeah, that so have came up to me. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can a woman lead a sermon-based community group in a home? Yeah. We would have no issue with that. Okay. But why? 
Because it's not the gathered assembly on the weekend service with the whole church. Right. Yeah, it's leading a discussion through the scriptures. And we believe that First Timothy chapter 2 is spoken to a particular person about a, a particular situation, situation yeah. and area of the church. He so, certainly draws his he draws his his rationale for his command yeah. in the created design. So we believe that that is continues to stand through today, but but we believe that it's intended to be applied in the place that Paul has shown it to be applied. Yeah. Because even like seven years ago, Crystal, when you and I first started on staff, we wondered if we could teach a midweek Bible class on yeah, prayer. Yeah, And I know, but we came to the executive team, the senior leadership team, and we said, can we teach this in a mixed setting? Because we weren't sure. And so I can imagine that a lot of people are confused as they come to church, and they love our church, and they just want to know what... Yeah. What can they do? So there are yep. some complementarians that go that go a little further than us too, though. They would end up letting women preach on the Sunday morning as long as they do it under the authority of the elders. Right. Uh, I don't know what that would look like. Uh, totally, I I I think that that is a little step too far for me because I think that that actual event is mm-hmm. what he's talking about here when he says I don't permit women to, women to teach. So we allow women to be MCs on the weekend. We allow women yep. to lead communion. Of course. We allow women to do baptisms. Yes, of course. Because why? Uh, because there is no no scripture that bars them from doing so, that we believe that they should be incorporated into the full activity of God's church at every point where there's not an explicit barring of them. Throughout scripture, that deacon role is always talked about men and women being kind of mm-hmm. that deacon role. And like you said, Jeff, the elder role is the only one that has that kind of mm-hmm. extra caveat attached yeah. to it. Right. Basically, being an MC or leading worship for things are not the unique work of an elder. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever people ask me about that, it's like, what, what are women not allowed to do? Well, the unique work of an elder. And, and when I'm using the word unique, there's lots of overlap between deacons and elders in their qualifications and some of the stuff that they do. But that work of apt to teach, right, so the teaching and the ultimate authority in the church is, I think, supposed to be held in the hands of, uh, of qualified men. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you guys, I mean, people, women go to our um, elders meeting, but so yeah. anybody can go to our elders yeah. meetings. There is an in-camera session that lasts probably 20 or 30 minutes where you, you people have to, we have to talk about, you know, human resources and yeah. stuff like that. But for the most part, the entire event is open for people. Yeah. Anybody. And people ask me that all the time. Why are you at the elder meeting? Why are you in the discernment committee? Why do you lead communion? Why because do you... <laughs> we value your 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 insights and all, in, in yeah. discernment and in uh, the other. You're not an elder by being on the no. discernment committee. There's several others who are not elders on the discernment yeah. committee. But all of the committees at Northview are open to men yeah, and, and they women. serve as deacon roles. Yeah. We, we understand them as serving deacon roles. They yes. do the they do the practical work of the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. and pastoral staff wise, um, we yeah. could have. Pastors of worship, pastors of care, pastors of yeah. So where would the limits the cast- be? Crystal is the pastor of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she's a woman, but we don't see it. There's no problem with that because I'm not asking Crystal to ex- to execute an elder's authority over people, nor am I asking her to stand up in front of the congregation and preach on a yeah. on a Sunday morning. That was kind of new when I came on staff. My first question when I was asked to be a pastor in the care department, my first response was, "But I'm a woman." How, how can I be a pastor at Northview? Mm. And the executive pastor at the time said, no, 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 no. We have women pastors on staff. And I'm like, but they're usually pastor over women or pastor over children. So how do I fit? What does that look like? But do you understand, like our rationale there is that we should engage and welcome women in every area that the scriptures don't explicitly bar them from. Well, I understand that now. Yeah. I didn't understand that. I've been growing in that over the last seven years. And then it's really interesting as women come and feel free to ask us questions. They frequently talk 
talked to Crystal and I, and I was at the women's retreat, so I'm available. So there is this desire to understand how this works at and Northview. And there's this perception that it's kind of an all or nothing. Like people will say to me, but there's no pastors at Northview. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. they're talking to me saying that. Yeah. Like, well, no women pastors. <laughs> yeah, no women pastors. Well, yeah. I'm a pastor. Thaley is a pastor. Robin We've got pastoral pastor. interns. We have a yeah. number of pastors. So but it's just funny when they say that directly to me, that so there's when no they female say that, pastors. What do they mean by that? Though? I don't know. Hmm. They don't. Yeah. They haven't thought it through. Yeah. No. And often people think that if a pastor does not have a space to preach on the weekends behind the pulpit. They are less than. No. Right. It, yeah. We are simply, we have different roles. Yep. So people often it means ask that me. None of, all, all of you are less than me. I think it's so good. <laughs> oh. Let's go with that. Oh, we got to get murder. So people always ask me, so <laughs> they say, Thalia, when are you going to preach on the weekend? So sometimes I'm tempted to sidestep it and say, well, I'm not trained to preach, but I know that that's not a good answer. So I'm like, well, I'm actually a counseling pastor and this is what I do yeah. and this is where the lines are drawn. And this well, I think is- people traditionally, though, understand a pastor is doing all the, all the, all the stuff. And that's just, I mean, in a larger church like right. ours, it's not the case. We have lots of pastors who are not involved in, who aren't involved in, in every kind of ministry that there is, right? Yeah. Yeah. But some people, most I mean, most churches that people have been a part of in the past have been smaller. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, the idea of having somebody who's a specialist like you, who's going right. to be a pastor of care yeah. and going to do counseling and yeah. that kind of stuff and just do that yeah. is like, whoa, wait, what? Uh-huh. Right? Exactly. So the one pastor that does everything. Are, like, are yeah. you doing all the visitation? You know, yeah. no, we have, no, we have others who do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, and but are you? Why wouldn't you do all the teaching? Well, we have others who do that. That's right. And so this is kind of a large church, small church distinction. Yeah. And it's not really the the male female issue. No. Like in the end of the day, I found a lot of people misunderstanding the way a large church functions. Yeah. As a general rule, uh, small churches staff with generalists, meaning that they do lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, large church large churches staff with specialists. Yeah. So we're looking for people who are particularly good at a particular thing. So like Ezra's a real generalist. That's why he's yes. been able to work in smaller churches <laughs> every, before. Yeah, but and every single North, department at, at Northview. At Northview, right. the challenge that Ezra has is in order to fulfill the different roles that he's filled, the upside is he's able to fill, full, fulfill all of those different roles. Mm-hmm. The downside is in each one of those roles, he has to quiet part of his generalist abilities and, and work toward the strength of some of his more specialized, you, you know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the campus pastor is probably the closest thing that you've had right. to being more generalist. Yes. Because it's a bit of a smaller church right. thing. But I, this is one of the things I've had to get used to, because I've worked in smaller churches before, and there are, there are, believe it or not, there are areas of my life that you know nothing about that I'm actually okay at. I, like, I've played guitar for years, and I have actually what? led worship <laughs> before. What? You heard yeah, it first oh, yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've done visitation and prayed with people in hospitals, and done all, like I've done all of that stuff. Oh. That's awesome. And I'm not horrible at it. It's just I'm not anywhere near as good at that stuff as I am of as uh, you know leadership and vision and mm-hmm. preaching. And so That's in right. a large church, it's play to your strengths, Jeff. You go over there, kill it with that stuff, and we will take care of this other these other pieces. Well, there's so much to do in a large yeah. church. If you did all those other things, you'd be burnt out before we knew it. Right. So we have to get other people involved. Yeah. Yeah. So but anyway, that that tends to be the way some people misunderstand. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. That they misunderstand. So some of their questions are risen from an understanding of pastoral ministry that's that's rooted in small church ministry. Right. Which is why I'm really thankful that you're all here on this podcast. Is there any last comments or words before we close this off? You have no more questions? Well, I was going to say, was there other ones that no, you could see? Those yeah, are the main rapid ones. Rapid fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, those are the main ones. I think what I would just say is that this is a topic like that we're totally comfortable talking mm-hmm. about 
Thalia and I are happy to talk about it. We're not going to force anybody into one direction or another. Um, in terms of our conference, like the MB conference, you had asked me this question earlier, yeah. so I'll answer it now. It's a open-handed in terms of it's not a, people don't see it as a central to the faith doctrine in the sense that it doesn't make you a Christian or not, whether what you believe. And so the MB conference has said that churches within the denomination can choose to have either. Um, the cultural push is to be more egalitarian. And so people think that Thalia and I are oppressed and ask us if we <laughs> yeah. are, how we can stand Quite working often, here. actually. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting. Um, and I would say, no, like we've never been pushed harder than we have been on staff In a here. good way. In a good way. Yeah. But I would say like, this is not something that we need to break fellowship over or not have discussion over or friendship over. Like we're no. happy to talk about this issue with mm-hmm. anybody that has questions. And I will, I will add, I also uh, need to say that I... Part of that is because I'm not I'm not ashamed of being complementarian. I think that there's a, an attitude among some people that like I'm not. I I'm happy to dis- dialogue with it about about it with the scripture in the end and things. But like you, I lots of people I know who are egalitarians we disagree with. They're Christian brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. I love them. I think they're wrong about this. I think that it'll have an effect on their church in the same ways that Paul warns them that it will have an effect on their church if they if they don't follow what what God has prescribed here. But we're not. Like I, I don't. Some people sometimes say say to us, like even the language of your soft complementarian, as if being complementarian is something you need to soften. I I'm, I understand what you mean by it, but I'm not I'm not an ashamed complementarian. I don't go to denominational meetings. No, but and you're say, not oh, bullying. You're not oppressive. You're not in any way domineering. Which is people right, but I think, often think I don't of think that's complementarianism. Yes, I but, don't think that that's hell. I don't. That's think, how that's it's viewed, though. Yeah, but that's yeah. I think that's my point yeah. though is that people come in assuming that complementarians are mean, horrible chauvinists yeah. who do these horrible that's things. That's what they think. When my thing is, no, actually, the kind of leadership we're talking about among qualified men is the kind that Jesus shows when he gets down on his hands and yeah. knees and washes the disciples' feet, uh, yeah. who says he says to the disciples, don't, you know, James and John, who want to have his right and left hand, uh, he says, look, you don't lord it over like the Gentiles do, yeah. but we we consider the Son of Man, who, who didn't come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. And so that's the kind of leader. Love your yeah. wife as Christ loved the church. Yeah. So a self-sacrificial kind of leadership. So if somebody is not leading that way, that's not a problem with complementarianism. That's a problem with their understanding of leadership. So a woman or a man can lead in that way. Yes. And unfortunately, uh, people will end up blaming the particular theological viewpoint because somebody ends up abusing it on either side of this. Mm -hmm. And that's what's... There's been a really unhealthy egalitarianism at points. Yeah. And a really unhealthy complementarianism at points. And so ultimately... Um, hopefully we can we, we can I don't know redeem we can vindicate some of the names of of, yeah. of complementarianism. I think the big the big issue from my vantage point is those who would walk away and say I can never attend a church mm-hmm. that is complementarian. So for them, it's it's the issue is big enough for mm-hmm. them to break fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, which is really sad yeah. because. I don't think we we view this issue as a deal breaker. We can never do. We can never have fellowship with but, one another. But I understand somebody who says that honestly. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. I if I'm a committed egalitarian, I I get it. I understand that you mm-hmm. believe in this modern day that I'm I'm being a sexist, and that you believe this is a social justice no, issue. I was going to say they see it as social justice. And so in yeah. the end, I understand why somebody would look at it that way. Look, if I'm wrong, I actually am willing to agree that yeah, I I am I am. I'm, I'm acting unjust. Um, the fact that I don't believe that I am 
should show you show you that I do feel like I have some legitimate reasons why it is that I hold the viewpoint that I do and that we operate the way we do. But likewise, I would also say that, you know, there is danger in them in the other side being wrong. I think that this is one of the things I hear from a lot of people that, well, if you're going to err, err on the side of egalitarianism because it's safer, right? Well, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Like, if God has made people to function in a particular way, uh, and he made his church to function in a particular way, for you to be flippant about that and to reverse it and then and then actually say that, say, instead of saying what Paul said here explicitly, to say the opposite... I do permit women to teach and have authority over men. I just don't know of anywhere else in the Bible where you're going to say that the meaning of a text of Scripture should be flipped on its head and said the exact opposite should be what we're commanding people to do. And I, that is a dangerous proposition for me. And I think that it, has, it bears some significant weight. And it is bearing significant, I mean, results in the Church these days with some false teaching and other things being led into the Church, and that's just it's really sad. Okay, any other words? Ezra, you're nodding, <laughs> agreeing Good. with Jeff on this one. We start off disagreeing, you're agreeing now. <laughs> Crystal, <Yeah>. any last <laughs> See how it works? <laughs> These we guys. Fight, and then we get... If yeah, there's yeah. anyone soft around here, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, that's what you think. Thanks for joining us, yeah. everyone. See you next week. <laughs>